Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Chenergy Coffee Company podcast. The topic of tonight is a bit of a dreadful one, which is uh, maybe career advice, but rather than career advice, I would call it practical tips for people who are looking for a job. As I've said in my previous uh, episodes, uh, I am a little bit in oppose in my corporate career. And although um, I've been exploring a few different avenues for uh, for uh, reinventing my professionality, I'm still looking uh, the old-fashioned way. After 20 years of uh, career in finance, or almost 20 years, uh, it's difficult to say, like, okay, now I do something completely different. I mean, I have uh, transferable skills, I have invested in education, in learning things. And so part of my effort is still... Uh, geared towards the traditional uh, old-fashioned and uh, not very enjoyable activity of looking for a job by answering to job openings that you can find on the web. Mostly these days it's platforms like LinkedIn or Indeed uh, or applying directly on company websites. So um, there is a lot of uh, talk about how a job search should be structured, what are the key pitfalls. And uh, considering my rate of success of the last few months, I'm probably not the best qualified person to uh, give advice on this topic. In fact, this episode is not going to be about advice. It's more about a beautiful uh, list of funny discoveries that I've made thanks also to... um, consultant, uh, recruitment consultant actually that I met in the last few weeks uh, here in Switzerland uh, who has uh, shed a light a little bit on this uh, black box that is uh, applying for uh, positions uh, online. Now, the first thing that I would like to say, does apply to jobs online works? It probably works for some people. For me, the experience, especially in the last year, has been quite a frustrating one because essentially what happens, you apply for a job, then nothing happens for a few weeks and then you receive these usual emails in which they say that they're very impressed with your skills and they thank you for the time you took for applying for the job at their wonderful company, but they found better candidates or anyway, your application has not been put forward or very often you don't even receive an email, you just apply and you wait, and that's it. Now, uh, if we look at the historical moment, uh, there is for sure, uh, let's say, this is more of an employer's market rather than an employee's market, especially in certain sectors. I mean, if you work in hospitality or in catering, you're really in for a rough ride, and I'm sorry. But even for people working in things like finance, the job market is not exactly the best I've seen in 20 years. It's probably the worst. And this is due, well, may, mainly to the COVID, but a little bit there are also a few structural changes that make a certain disconnect between the offer of job and the demand, which is much higher than the offer, especially in certain parts of Europe, and especially for certain kind of roles where there is... A, a more focus on uh, IT knowledge, on uh, automation, and this inevitably moved the market more towards uh, uh, professionalities that are more connected with the 
data mining, data analysis, rather than the old style accounting, bookkeeping and controlling jobs. So this is the structural issue in the market. Then there is a few things that people who are on the application side of the proposition tend to imagine but can't really know. And in this, uh, it has helped me a lot uh, in the last few days uh, interfacing myself with a recruitment consultant, a professional that I met here in uh, Central Switzerland. He has his own recruitment company and I will put the link to his company in uh, in the description of the podcast. That has shed some, honestly, and I am really glad for it, some light on how the process really works. And there are some pitfalls that we probably need to learn to avoid. Now, every market is a little bit different. In every market there are different ways to write a CV, different ways to present a CV, different level of information that you need to put. For example, here in Switzerland it's very common to have a picture, family status, marital status, age, all kind of information that in certain jurisdictions are not even legal because you're not supposed to discriminate on age or to discriminate on race. So a picture is essentially a giveaway of your ethnicity. So people might argue whether it's fair or unfair that you put a picture in the CV. However, here it's requested, so inevitably, if you are to apply for a job in Switzerland, you need a professional picture. But that's what everyone knows. Now, where it becomes interesting is when we look at the process under which the applications are um, screened, are classified, and hence also somehow why a lot of the efforts in electronic application tend to fall on the fears or tend to just fall in this black box where you apply and nothing happens. So the first, automated tracking service systems. These are softwares that are supposed to order your, the applications that a company receives according to certain keywords. And if you uh, look at the common wisdom online, it seems like all the screening is done by these uh, intelligent systems. Uh, and so there is an algorithm that does everything and you need to beat the algorithm to make sure that your CV gets noticed. There is some truth in it, but it's a lot less automated than we think. Now, of course, the higher the number of applications for a position, the more likely is that the recruiter is going to rely on, uh, on an algorithm rather than going CV by CV. If we're talking about very specific positions where the applications are, are in the low tens, probably the person is going to be very keen on seeing every CV because otherwise he might not find the candidate that he's looking for. That's especially true for certain IT-based roles, which are really difficult to find. And I mean, even if I look at the kind of uh, um, job openings, that I see, especially on the Swiss market, the Swiss market is a very competitive one compared to even neighboring countries. There's a lot even in, uh, in sites that used to be dedicated to audit positions or to accounting positions. There is a lot of... Uh, coder, uh, developers, so it's really heavily software-based. Also because this being a country with high salaries, 
there is a strong incentive to invest in IT and to automatize support function as much as possible. Now, um, this uh, inevitably makes it so that the competition is quite fierce and that for every application there is going to be hundreds of uh, applicants. Most of them are probably going to be not qualified or they will not have some basic requirement like a working permit and things like that. However, still, there is a system. Um, the first that comes to my mind is Taleo, but there is not only Taleo, there is uh, success factors, uh, uh, Workday. These are all modules of HR systems that are geared towards, they call it talent management. The management part is very, is very, how do you say, open for discussion. However, the reality is that uh, um, still uh, with all the prevalence of these automated systems, uh, CVs get screened in the end by a human. I discovered it sometimes by replying to some of the rejections email that I received. I was sure that they were automated. Instead, in the end, I got somehow a way to get in touch with someone in flesh and bones, so someone like a human that actually answered my, my questions or my email. It has rarely led to a reverse of the decision of not considering me for the application. However, that tells you that uh, the common wisdom in the Internet is a little bit overblown. So it's not uh, drones that look for uh, your CV and that decides whether you're a fit or not. There is always a human component. However, it's good to know that there are certain keywords and certain skills that are um, looked after by the systems and the system will essentially rank the CVs that they receive according to hits, according to certain criteria that are set by the human who's looking at the CV. Does this help with the job search? Well, in a way it does because of course by tailoring your CV and tailoring your application and your uh, motivation letter to the specific keywords in the job openings might increase your chance to be in the first 10, 15 uh, results of the list of applications that the poor sod needs to uh, screen your CV is going to look at. I mean, inevitably, just think about it. If you do a search on Google, how likely you are to look for the results on page 10? Very unlikely. How likely you are to look for the research, for the research results on page 3? Still quite unlikely. The reality is that page 1 may be page two are the ones that are going to get some of the of the time that you spend on looking for information and anything thereafter is going just to die in this digital ocean. With CVs, it works essentially the same way. The more likely you are to get on the top of the list, the more likely you, have, you are to get your CV reviewed, the more likely you are to possibly pass the first step. However, uh, stuffing your CV with keywords when you don't have the substance is still not a good idea because since there is a human, I mean that human is probably intelligent enough to assess whether you're just copy-pasting a list of keywords in your CV or you have some bona fide skills that the company really needs. So the first good news is that there is actually a human. 
the the bad news is that this human is overworked and so he will inevitably tend to be biased towards the CVs that get most of the hits from his uh, automated tra tracking system, which also means that it becomes even more important to avoid the typos and to avoid the misspelling and to use correct industry known jargon, meaning if there is a specific keyword in your industry or for that industry, for the company that you're applying for, that is relevant, it better be there. A synonym is not going to cut. Then <coughs> another interesting discovery was to look at your LinkedIn profile with an account for a recruiter. So now what happens is that a lot of companies, not only uh, search select and selection firms, so hunting firms, but also companies like big blue chip companies will purchase a recruiter account on LinkedIn. This recruiter account is pretty expensive. So I wouldn't advise anyone to do this experiment unless he has access to someone who has a recruiter, a recruiter account. And I discovered that essentially my LinkedIn profile is invisible unless you're looking for professionals in the oil and gas industry. And this came as a bit of a surprise because I'm actually very active on LinkedIn. I tend to write quite a bit, I tend to comment, I tend to link to posts and to, for example, this podcast I always advertised on, link, uh, advertised on LinkedIn. So according to the general wisdom, the more active you are, the more you're visible, the more you're likely to be found by recruiters. That turns out not necessarily to be the case. Meaning that a recruiter looking, a recruiter looking for a oil and gas profile inevitably finds me. A recruiter looking for a finance manager, which is the job that I've done for a good part of my career or for an internal auditor, apparently doesn't find me. Why? I haven't honestly figured it out yet. My impression is that uh, even having the keywords and having the relevant skills doesn't put you on top of the um, pile of the list on the first one, two pages that you have in the results that the recruiter is going to see, because there is also a certain level of uh, weight that is given in the, to the position where your keyword is located. To make an example, I have... Uh, few endorsements as a, for financial analysis. I've done financial analysis on a number of my previous roles. So in every single role there is a mention, because I, I strongly advise not to put just your job title on LinkedIn and a few words on what you've done is a minimum courtesy to people looking at your profile. I mean, of course, there are going to be people, to be people looking at your profile just for the heck of it. But if a recruiter is going to look for someone... Uh, with a specific role, probably finding a few words on your LinkedIn profile of what you have achieved, what you have done, is going to increase the likelihood that the recruiter is going to contact you. Then it doesn't mean that you're going to get a job, but still you're going to be able to start a conversation. You should also start the conversation yourself by contacting people, etc., etc. But when it's you to start the conversation, you don't know if there is an opening on the other side, whereas if it's the other 
person that finds you, that means that is already a need that you might be able to fill. So, again, giving a modicum of information and a modicum of uh, uh, color, of flavor to your LinkedIn profile, it's the minimum you should do. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. However, and that's the funny thing, even though I have a lot of these skills and a lot of these uh, activities, if someone would go in a recruiter profile and look for this skill, I come very low down the down the line and that is puzzling also because people with less experience than me actually come forward so what is the first conclusion that I that I had is that uh, um, if uh, for example we're talking about finance management if you have it in the description of your role it has a certain weight if you have it as a job title it has another weight so probably finance management as a job title, so finance manager, is going to yield more results even if your job description is empty than having a lot of words about finance management in your summary and in your your description of what you need or what you achieved in in the specific role. That's a bit of a tough one. It's a tough one because it means that if your job title was not finance manager, even though what you were doing was financial management, you're less likely to be found. And and that's that's that I find honestly quite quite uh, interesting because if let's say you have been a finance manager in a three people company or the finance manager or the CFO in a startup of two people it's very different your level of experience and the level of skills that you're bringing to the table compared to someone for example who, have been, who has been a divisional controller i mean probably you have a more uh, all-rounded knowledge because you have to do since you didn't have huge teams you didn't have huge structures you had to uh, essentially get your hands dirty a lot more but it's also true that the level of vertical knowledge, so specific industry knowledge, specific accounting knowledge, specific uh, people management skills are inevitably higher in the role of someone who had maybe a different job title that didn't include the word manager, but he has actually done all all these things. So... This leads me to essentially two hints. I mean, it's something that I'm trying to apply myself, and it's something that uh, it's a bit of a trial and error. So you have to take my my words with a pinch of salt. It give it leads me to give two hints. The first is uh, tailor your LinkedIn profile without lying, and I understand underline without lying. Uh, when is that embellishment becomes lying? When essentially you are exaggerating. I mean, exaggerating is always not a good idea. Also, first, because you might easily get found out. And second, because you also create expectations that might come back and bite you in the backside as soon as you start the new job. So I'm strongly against any kind of excessive embellishment. However, customization of the LinkedIn profile can be useful knowing that 
the weight of your job titles is actually higher than the description of the job title themselves. And so probably if you are looking towards a specific role, you might want to look very hard and very long on how someone that might hire might look at it so which are the keywords that are going to be used if you want to wait on certain industry experience you might want to gear your linkedin profile more towards that knowing though that if you try to go in every possible direction that is going to defeat the algorithm the wrong way meaning that the algorithm is going to defeat you so if you are looking for two jobs which are like not really com- compa- comparable because you might have the skills because, you know in our careers uh, we tend to jump I mean, especially in, in the last 10 years uh, people tend to jump from one role to another because sometimes the role that they're looking for is not available sometimes they get a promotion within a company to an area that is contiguous to, to what they were doing but it's not exactly the same so you might have different job titles that show that you are like looking in two different directions that will automatically shoot you through the back of the of the queue apparently so that's one thing the reality is that uh, if you don't know how the algorithm works uh, and i have some hints but i don't know how the linkedin arc, uh, algorithm works uh, it's difficult to beat the algorithm because you don't know the logic so you can probably if you have access to a recruitment profile uh, see what is being looked for and what brings people to the to the top of the line by looking at the let's say similarities between the top five top ten profiles <coughs> but even applying the same kind of keywords is not going to be a warranty of success so first thing is uh, you need probably to be more active and if you're active you probably need to be a lot more active I mean, at the end of the day, it's true that job is about networking. The reason, at least my conclusion in my job search here in central Switzerland and the fact that I had a few interviews and they were all in the French part of Switzerland where I have a network of professional contacts that I developed by working really in the region. So I only got interviews in that area. That means that probably my lack of a professional network in the area of around Zurich and central Switzerland is not helping my job search. For sure there is a niche of language skills because my German is a B2 level, so it's a decent level, but it's not fluent enough for what is expected in this area of the, of the country. But more than anything, you're not going to be found that easily as it can be in a period of economic expansion. You will need to look and look for probably in uh, places where you wouldn't normally look and there is actually even an interesting uh, similarity with certain literature even with the bible i don't want i don't like to put the bible because i'm not essentially neither a christian neither a very religious person but there are some hints that if you're looking for gold, you need to be able to face the dragon. So you probably need to look outside your comfort zone. That means uh, looking, uh, engaging with people, which is not something that we really like as human beings because we don't like to be rejected. We don't like to 
have negative feedback and online is extremely easy to get negative feedback you always find the, the idiot that is going to comment on your linkedin post on your uh, twitter post saying a bunch of negative things just for the hell of it and it's difficult to be thin skinned i mean thick skinned i mean even even in the best of days uh, some things just i mean we are hardwired not to like them However, it's a necessity. I don't think there is really an alternative because beating this algorithm is essentially, it's kind of a lottery game. You don't really know it works and you're not going to really beat this algorithm. And the reality is that as much effort you can put in trying to beat this algorithm, it's probably better put in something else, in doing something that actually you enjoy. For me, it's this podcast or writing on my blog. And that might actually bring something useful in the long run rather than uh, concentrating all your focus on developing the perfect cv and the perfect uh, search strategy because there is nothing as a perfect search strategy because this algorithm in the end has still been screened by a human so a human will have his own bias if the recruiter you're targeting decides that the first two three are too obvious and he's not going to look at them you did all your work to get in the first two, three places, and then that's still not going to help. And also the competition. It's just a matter of a numbers game. The competition is so high, and the attention span of people looking at this thing is so uh, short, for very good reason, for the simple fact that they're overwhelmed by the amount of data, that although it's still... uh, one channel that you shouldn't uh, completely neglect uh, it's a channel that is not going to yield a lot of results you need to uh, to be able to have uncomfortable situation and uncomfortable discussion and eventually even try to look in a place where you wouldn't think those who find the gold are those who are able to face the dragon facing the dragon means uh, there is a biblical there is a medieval literature essentially where facing the dragon what is the dragon? The dragon is this bad beast uh, that is really knowledgeable and can burn you in a matter of seconds and he holds gold. So if you wa- want the gold, you need to be able to face the dragon. What is the dragon? Is your own, I mean, it's not a real creature obviously, it's your own, uh, your own beast, your own thing that you dislike. Uh, is the challenges that you don't want to face, which means essentially putting yourself in an in a uncomfortable situation, which can range from reaching out to someone you don't know and try to start a conversation, which might mean uh, trying to do something completely different. I mean, when I started my business uh, with the coffee company that I'm honestly also looking at restarting, that was something very uncomfortable for me. I've been always been an employee. I always thought that the best way to earn my wage was to, to earn my money, was to work. I always thought that hard work is everything that there is about it. And then, uh, in the end, the reality has proved me only partially true. So it's only partially correct that that's the only way to, to make money, that that's the only way to pay your bills. It's a comfortable way. It was very uncomfortable to start a business. It was extremely uncomfortable to 
discuss a rental contract, it's extremely uncomfortable to pick up the phone and phone people to say, hey, I have this much of coffee, do you want to buy? What kind of price you're willing to pay? I mean, this is, this is all uncomfortable situations. But if you don't have this, if you're not ready to have this uncomfortable uh, conversation and this uncomfortable situation, yeah, you might still find a job and not completely discounting it. Plus, uh, everyone has his own circumstances. Of course, if you are a double PhD in material sciences, an expert on nanotechnologies, etc., you might not need to, fa- to face an uncomfortable uh, conversation because you will have a queue of people that are looking for you. But for most of our mere mortals that work in jobs like HR, marketing, finance, all this kind of support function that are the first where uh, the axe goes when a company needs to cut costs and where uh, the, the supply of job is not going to grow as much as it used in the past for economic reasons, for the COVID crisis, for... Uh, for all these reasons that make it more difficult uh, that companies are going to go on a hiring spree, inevitably we need to be able to have difficult conversation. We need to be able to face the dragon. We need to be able to think laterally. And we need to understand that looking for a job is as much art as it is science. So probably it's better rather than concentrating on how to beat an algorithm or how to beat a tracking system and then get disappointed because 100 times out of 150, 100 times out of uh, uh, 102, you're not going to get any feedback from this kind of systems. And even the rejection that are automated emails at a certain stage, they, they sap your energy because for our pride, we don't like to be rejected. This is essentially something that is inbuilt in us. We need to be able to do to do something different and to have uncomfortable conversation. Uh, having a comfortable conversation is the key, if not to success, at least to get out of a uh, kind of a swamp where sometimes we get thrown when our professional career is not going where we would like or where we think it should go. Fair of unfair, that's the way it is. As per my previous episode, I always advise people not to th- never to think in terms of fair or unfair about their own situations. Because is it fair that uh, you're jobless? No. But is also, is it f- fair when you had a job that other people that were as qualified as you or maybe more were jobless? No. It's a matter very often of uh, random uh, luck also. Sometimes it's also luck. So... As much as you don't have too much merit, that I mean, you have merit, but you don't have so much merit when you do have a job, you should convince yourself that there is not so much the merit in not having one. So that means that rather to think whether the situation is fair or unfair, my advice is to think, uh, what can I do to differentiate myself from the big amount of people that are doing all the same things? And... Uh, knowing that these algorithms that are going to track your CV are not always logical, are not always rational, or anyway, they have logics that you don't understand. So that rather than concentrating yourself on beating the algorithm, even though 
having some insight can be useful, concentrate yourself on presenting yourself in the best way possible for what you want to do. And then, not be proactive, be active. Do. Go. Call. Get out of your comfort zone. That way, something will happen. Maybe it's not what you dream, but something will happen. So that's everything for this fast chat on uh, job search. I'm keeping looking for uh, for work. I'm a finance person. Uh, I'm an internal auditor. And I'm a responsible father that needs to put food on the table for his family. But I'm also confident that by presenting myself for who I am is in the long run probably going to yield more result than just bumping my head against a tracking system that anyway is not as important as many people would like you to believe. Thank you, that's everything for this episode. I wish you a nice evening, a great rest of the week and keep your spirit high because the only way, as usually, is forward. Good night and uh, we'll see you next time.